0: Geekscapists, congratulations, you made it to the weekend, and you made it past Halloween. Uh, Jonathan here to let you guys know that this is part three of our LA Comic Con panel series. If you want to go back through the feed and find a normal Geekscape interview episode, or maybe one of our uh, feature specials with Ian Kerner breaking down a Marvel DC or big event movie, um, you can go back through the feed and do that. So uh, let's talk about this one. This one is a panel that we did on Sunday about zombies, the science of zombies, the genre of zombies, uh, the history of zombies, and you may think that zombies are played out. Well, we do too. We think that the zombie genre is in decline, and it was so popular there for so long. Where does it go from here? It was pretty awesome talking to a panel of experts about that subject, seeing uh, what new uh, niches can come out of this genre, seeing uh, how this creature that is uh oftentimes a metaphor for our own uh, mortality and society what does it reflect out of this time that we're living in this insane time so uh that's probably the last time that can get you guys to all go and vote on november 6th (laughs) so that the zombies don't eat us Uh, but i want to welcome you to listen to this panel and maybe go back to the old panels that we did this week Uh, we had a lot of fun la comic-con was great it was good to see old friends and make new ones uh, and this is the last of the series so here we go we're talking zombies uh, and everything you wanted to know but we're too alive to ask uh, enjoy guys this panel series has been a lot of fun and we'll see you guys at the next convention and you'll hear us on the next geekscape episode so geekscape forever Welcome to uh, Zombies, Everything You Wanted to Know, but we're too alive to, I guess, find out about it. Um, we've done this panel. I'm Jonathan London. I put this panel together because uh, I discovered zombies a little late in the game, but I love zombies. I overlooked zombies for a long time. I actually was, thought they were annoying <laughs> for a long time, and then I found uh, I found an appreciation for zombies uh, as a you know, We'll get into it, but um, Clark's been on this panel. Gavin's been on this panel. That's Gavin Hignite there at the end. Uh, you were on that panel when you were, worked at, at Fearnet, and you have is such. Anyone a remember
1: Fearnet? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's long dead.
0: D- yeah. Don't be mad at your former employers, all right, pal? We all get that feeling when we leave a job, but hey, that's in the past, man. That's You're right. a new guy right now, and he's making his films. He's working hard, and he's a filmmaker. He's so many things, but definitely a horror aficionado. Uh, and that's how we met, you know. Yeah. Um, Chelsea, t- tell me a little bit about yourself, because, like, we were introduced by John Schnitzer sitting over here, who I had on the Geekscape podcast, uh, because he made a amazing documentary called Haunters about haunted houses and the people who put them on. And if you haven't seen Haunters, you should definitely go see it. And put it on, where, where
2: can you see it, John? It's, like, everywhere. It's on Netflix. Oh, hold on. There, there you go. go. I got it. It's on Netflix. It's, um, we're going to be at UCLA on Monday. Oh, cool. With um, UCLA Monday with a bunch of people from the movie, including somebody who went through McKamey Manor three times. Mm. Oh, my God.
0: And if you watch the movie, you'll know that McKamey Manor is a haunted house that people put on that it feels very close to torture. Like, it's not, it does not, I mean, it seems insane.
2: It goes on for eight hours, and if you want to get out, he doesn't let you out. And it's completely horrific. You have to
0: sign waivers and things like that to go through the thing. Because yeah. that's fun. Yeah. Watch the documentary. Like Some of these haunted houses go way beyond it. just so, oh somebody jumping out at you. Um, but, Chelsea, tell me about yourself. Because um, you we talked about uh, the panel on email. But he's like, dude, you're going to want her on there. And I was like, all right. I trust John <laughs> completely
3: so hi i'm chelsea i co-host the dead meat podcast um it's part of the youtube channel dead meat which is like its own bigger thing uh but yeah i we do a lot of like american history on our podcast and kind of horror movies in relation to what's going on in history at that time so zombies for me is one of the most interesting examples of that and how they correlate to our culture, so yeah. That's why I'm like pumped. I dressed up for this. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's awesome. <laughs>
1: so, so I already have to ask, what genre is gonna come out of this time period?
3: This, t- I was, yesterday I was thinking that if we hadn't already had a wave of zombie movies, we would be having a wave of them right now, but we already rode that wave and we're sick of them. Sure. So we're in a really weird place, I think. Do
4: you think that uh, witches will come back? I think they're already yeah, back coming. in full force for sure. Is so there something
0: you want to tell us, Clark?
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's one of my favorite parts about genre studying genre and, and as well is, is how it correlates to political the, the politics of a or what a, what a society is afraid of, yeah. right? That's always usually the metaphor whether it's, you know, Mary Shelley writing Frankenstein and the idea of man playing god or, you know, the zombies of
3: past sure. year, so yeah i think too witches is such a good example because you have the witch you have the new sabrina show on netflix sure. you have the new suspiria and it's like angry women who are using magic to kind of we empower are, themselves
0: we are accused of being in the middle of a witch hunt right now yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's everywhere. Free advertising yeah. um clark wolf you guys should know her from i think a million different places <laughs> like I'm everywhere you are the first lady of the internet Horror genre. I think so.
5: Well,
4: That's nice. Thank
0: I think. You. I, no, I mean, come on. Who else has it? Oh. Hey, Rebecca McHenry is like oh so she's up there. Like nicer. she's a badass. Yeah, she is. But um, I like who like there are a couple badass horror women on the internet. But yeah. you're you've been doing it like you're not even that old, and it's like you've been doing it forever, and it drives me crazy. It's <laughs> like <laughs> Clark has been hosting and making horror content online. For as long as I've known you, and that's a long time because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I can
4: I uh, confirmed yes, yeah. cosine yes, that is correct.
0: So I put down I put together this panel of people that know a ton more than me, and and I think John was nervous. He texted me yesterday. I was like, Hey man, what are we gonna cover? What are we gonna cover? I was like, Dude, there's so much to cover. There's with an zombies. entire world. There's an, there's an entire, entire bit of it. There's so much to cover. And to go back to what I was saying earlier, to me, um, I didn't have an appreciation for zombies until in college I saw. Romero's original Night of the Living Dead and I was just totally blown away by how scary that movie is especially the trowel scene in the basement and how like yeah. oh, carnally, oh, zombie alert zombie alert I, zombie I alert. hope they, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Lord. laughs> amber alert going out like, I hope I mean watching that trowel scene just blew me away and then Geekscape the the website brand podcast that I do was asked to sponsor some zombie conventions in Seattle in 2009 10 11 somewhere there and we did it for a couple of years and Romero was a guest of honor and I thought, wow, this is a guy who is talking about this genre the same way Stan Lee, who's like one of my heroes, talks about comic books and superheroes as like these classic metaphors. And um, and I thought that was incredible. It was in that, that time period that Geekscape was asked to co-produce Doc of the Dead, the documentary. And at first I was like, ah, I don't know, man, the zombie thing, even though it was super popular with like the beginning of Walking Dead and all that stuff, I was like, I don't know how much longer this is going to last. And I made a deal with the director, Alexander, that if we could get Simon Pegg and George Romero in the movie, we'll, like, we'll make the movie. Because uh, obviously you want those heavy hitters to start off with and then go get people that we ended up getting, like Max Brooks and Robert Kirkman. But um, I still wasn't sold on the zombie. I thought it was super cool. Zombie walks are fun. But I still wasn't sold on like why they were so popular. And... I think you've heard the story, Clark, but but Simon, when we were interviewing him uh, for the movie, said they are the most perfect, beautiful metaphor for death because, like, you kind of have to be a jerk to become a vampire or, <laughs> like, a werewolf. <laughs> like, if you become a werewolf, like, where were you? That, like, you ran into a werewolf. Those dudes in were, American Werewolf in London, like, what were you doing in the Moors? <laughs> like, like, what were you doing? And then, like, a vampire, like what, like, whose castle or club did you go to late at night that turned you into a vampire? Like, just come on, man, like, just chill out. And, uh, but a zombie is death, and it's coming for all of us. And it doesn't matter how healthy or wealthy or uh, ahead of the game you are, death comes for all of us equally. And I thought that was beautiful and immediately just justified how what Clark said Romero, more than anybody, was just had his finger on the pulse with every one of his dead movies. Whether he was talking about uh, communism and McCarthyism in, in that first Not Living Dead into American consumerism with Dawn of the Dead and then the American like war industrial complex with Day of the Dead, he just had his finger on the pulse of the social political spectrum and zombies were a beautiful metaphor for it. That sold me on making the documentary, and then uh, with Alexander, and, and I was fascinated by how we in post 9/11 uh, have this barrage of imagery of our own mortality with Katrina and tsunamis and earthquakes and things like that. and Walking Dead, here it comes, and we will deal with fiction, but we will not deal with like the real stuff. So it goes back to what you guys are saying. And now we're, it seems like Walking Dead is less popular. It seems like zombies are kind of going down, yet, I oh, we're, theory on that. yet we're worried about our own mortality exactly. in the future of the world more than ever.
1: Yeah, I think people... That was a fun show six, seven years ago when you weren't worried about the reality of sure. man turning against man. And now we're in this time that's so stressful that people are, it's 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 like no like the marvel movies right now are the musicals of the 1940s right mm-hmm. it's that's the escapism great yeah. yeah that's so cool so, so
0: is there a place a big, big studio production <laughs> I, I will ask with. the the panel like is there a place before we get into the nitty gritty mm-hmm. of all the different specifics of zombies is there a place for zombies in 2018 and in the f- near future
1: i was kind of i'm lifelong Romero fan I went out to the 25th anniversary of Night of the Living Dead when I was like 17 uh it's, it's it's shit's in my blood I love it and I'm a little played out on it now and I was thinking oh you know we're gonna do this panel I don't know how do I bring my energy into this and I was like well I need to go out and look at the stuff I, I've not been paying attention mm. to and and like I talked with Jonathan I, I watched a Korean film called Train to Busan yes. Oh my God, and I was like, oh, zombies are cool again. You know, like yeah. it's just, it's now to me, it's about other people's interpretation. Uh, uh, than what I've seen so far. Mm-hmm.
4: To, to piggyback off of that, Train to Busan was the thing. I was doing a show called Nightmares on Collider Video for a little while, and our audience was was tweeting and commenting and saying, "When are you guys going to talk about Train to Busan? When are you going to talk?" And I was, I sa- I was like, "No, I'm so over zombies." And they were like, "But Clark, it's the best zombie movies in ten in ten years." And I was like, "I don't care. Yeah. I don't care how good it is. I'm I'm done." But because the, they were they were so adamant, I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then I watched it, and it is it's it's a beautiful film. It's so entertaining and well done. But to piggyback off of what you were saying, and you know, I personally find it really hard to be hopeful, um, and I struggle with that on a regular basis. But with something like Train to Busan, it's such a human story, and there is such a lovely, uh, there's such a lovely story amidst the chaos, yeah. through line, yeah. thank yeah. you, yes. Um, and so I actually feel like, it, it, I found it to be quite hopeful and I found the zombie subgenre to allow for hope when everything is caving in around you and you feel so overwhelmed and you see a story, a beautiful story about a family yeah. um, and love and relationships and and all those things, I kind of was like, oh wow, how interesting that in this dark time, it, and it's not reinventing
0: the wheel not by any all. means no.
4: but it um that that was what i kind of took away from it and so i thought that's really cool that- the first
0: oh sorry clark but the, the yeah. first 15 minutes of that movie is this father's inability to be an adequate father for his daughter and there's not a whole lot of zombie in the beginning yeah. other than that very opening teaser uh, where you see a reanimated animal but um you realize that that threat is happening around this like really his, central relationships, yeah, yeah, a, between a, a father and a daughter, and you know they're driving to the train station, and there's a bunch of medical emergency vehicles on the road, and they, you know, they don't know why, but they, they, they're going to get on a train, and yeah, Does, and, uh, and, they, and they spend so much time on that relationship that you're just watching a good movie in the yeah. in the zombie. Yeah. You apocalypse realize how is much zombies else.
3: aren't even in it for yeah, that much yeah. of it, and I think that's what makes the Romero movie so good too. Is you, you almost forget it's a zombie movie until they're all piled up outside the door, you <laughs> yeah, <know>? Right, that's <laughs> yes. the thing, right?
1: If it's a good character story about people that you care about, then, yeah, it doesn't matter if they're in it or not. Only every 10 minutes you get a really good jump scare. Or someone gets bit, or... Uh, who here has seen the, the Dawn of the Dead remake?
2: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Right? You know, like, the first 15 minutes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Train to Busan is a whole feature film <laughs> of the first 15 minutes of that yeah. movie. yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the recommendation, dude. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Have,
2: have you guys have you guys seen um, um, One Cut of the Dead? Mm. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I That's that, what okay. I brought you
0: here for the deep cuts. Yeah, yeah. You and Clark. Yeah. Tell so us what that
2: yeah, is.
4: it is. And I is it does it have? A, I saw it at Fantastic Fest.
2: I, so I saw it at Sidges. Okay, got it. And so One Cut of the Dead was made for twenty seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars, Japanese film, and, uh, and the bonus features they, they have an extra bonus features thing. That, the into your mic, that please,
0: sir. Hilarious. Into the mic, please.
2: There's no mic. <laughs> yeah. The, Hello, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. yeah. I got to get real. Yeah, c- you got to get All right, good. I'm going to get really into this mic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Whoa, One Cut Careful. of the Dead is like, you know, they spent $27,000. It's a Japanese movie. It's hysterically funny and so much fun. It keeps winning the audience favorite award yeah. at every festival it's at. At Sigis, it was in the largest theater that I think seats close to 2,000 people. Wow. And there was, it was massive that they had to keep adding more screenings of it. Yeah, so you cannot kill the zombie genre. I will refuse to have anyone say zombie genre will die, because as long as there's a new way of telling the story, if you keep doing the same thing a million times over, it'll die, but Mick Garris is the one who always says, a horror film only works if it works also as a drama. You have to care about the people, right? The watered-down knockoffs of things are the things that we never talk about. We only talk about the ones that burn in our brains for better or for worse. And there's so many interesting zombie sub genres. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, look what Shaun of the Dead did. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead made me laugh hysterically. And at the same time, it was scary.
5: Yeah. They
2: did that Day of the Dead effect when they were ripping apart the guy's guts. Mm-hmm. And when it happened, you're like, no. And you had like a total emotional attachment. You know, it's,
1: it's for a so comedy. Yeah. For a comedy. In a yeah. comedy, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head that that every so-and-so years, someone reinvents it. And that's the one we all talk about, you know. Uh, 28 Days Later, oh, yeah. when that hit, none of us were expecting yeah. it. Any fans of that one? Oh Yeah, yes. oh, yeah for sure. Yes. And the sequel. Yeah, 28 Weeks
4: too. Later, if you guys haven't seen it, is so, so good. good. Talk about
0: opening sequences oh, that will
4: melt your brain yeah. with emotions and fear.
0: Two little girls, <laughs> like, hey, yeah, so daddy's back. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the opening of Robert
2: Carlyle is. Awesome. He's
0: a treasure. Yeah.
2: He is a treasure. Um, that was the fun thing about that one, too, yeah. is that you had the great moral ambiguity yes. of like, what would you do in the worst case scenario? Would you be the hero for your family, or are you going to run away and try to save yourself? Mm-hmm. And they do such a good job, especially at the opening scene, of, of as I'm watching it going, I'd I'd fucking run. I'd run. Look, look at him run. Look, yeah. how, look how good it feels to run. Yeah. It was so scary to watch, and you're like, there's no way he's going to make it to the boat. There's no way he's going to make it to the boat. And then it's like, oh, you're going to deal with the aftermath of that? That's so I good. I mean, there's so... So many.
4: Well and it's accountability, right? Like touching on again themes that are buried and buried and buried and throughout this throughout this metaphor. But the idea of using using the virus or or the undead or whatever you want to call it to examine accountability mm-hmm. is so it, I got chills and just we're thinking about always it. Always
0: talking about accountability yes. these days. So yes. maybe I mean there's a way to I mean uh, pun intended eff it, breathe new life into this yeah. genre um uh, part of me thinks that uh mr kirkman created his own competition like his goal with the walking dead was i watch a zombie movie after two hours i don't know what happens to the people i want to but they're still stuck in that world where the dead have come back to life and so the brilliance of the walking dead initially was that yeah we're gonna see this zombie movie well beyond two hours and then it kept going and and, and I think that did it become its own competition did other people come along and become its competition educated by The Walking Dead and it kind of became everything I think so
1: and I I think too uh, I'm a huge fan of that show but just emotionally I I just couldn't I I just started to burn out Um, and that's you know I mean, maybe if it was the real-world zombie apocalypse, there'd be a point where I burned out there too, you know? (laughs) Right. Well, and
4: and respectfully, because I I love Team Skybound and everybody over there, they are fabulous creators and and very brilliant, but I think The Walking Dead as a TV show has always been a soap opera with zombies, you know, as kind of the hook, um, as opposed to a genre show looking to tell a a, a real human story. Not saying there aren't elements of that, but I think that's where uh, the show is getting tripped up right now. Is like they didn't play by soap opera rules. Essentially, like yeah. I, tr- truly, like if you're gonna have a show run for 20 years, which in theory it totally could, mm-hmm. you, you got to kind of structure in such a way. Yeah. So
1: and and maybe uh, character-wise, clean house every you know exactly. Like uh, Doctor Who has has a perfect gimmick in within it to you know regenerate itself every so and so years, so it it continues fresh. And not that you want to see all these characters that you're invested in just die off, because that's one of the hardest things with Walking Dead. I don't know about you guys, but issue 100 of the comic, I, I couldn't go past it. You know? Really? Yeah. It, that, that was the Glenn, Glenn issue. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And for me, that was my favorite, because yeah. I was like, here we go. Yeah, this off. is real. And the thing about Walking Dead, and I love Walking Dead, but one of the only problems with it that I have is that the leader was a cop before. True. And look at every other zombie apocalypse movie. It's always about you know, the everyday person. The powerless? What's that? The powerless? Yes. It's it's the person who rises. Yeah. Yeah, It's like what George Romero said, it's the blue collar monster. It's the one that can affect all of us. You know, Dracula's in the castle, the zombies are here with all of us. And look at- at The werewolves are a burning man. Right. You got it. (laughs) Coachella is where that will start. Okay. 2004's Dawn of the Dead. Was it 2004? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I loved that one of the heroes was a, he was a copy machine salesman before. Totally. It's like every. it's like... His skills will come to (laughs) use. Yeah, well, it's one of those things where, you know, in society, you know, we're chained down by, like, you are your job Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. And in the apocalypse, you get to rise to who you could actually be if you weren't constrained by, oh, I got to make rent and all that stuff. So that's the fun thing about looking at... Every zombie movie, it's always like, you know, it's a kick-ass woman in charge. Yeah,
3: <laughs> you're yeah I'm, just here. As Barb- I'm just as Barbara from the oh, remake. Oh, from the ninety. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. <laughs> now
2: <laughs> I'm
1: excited.
5: Nice. Living
1: dead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: You know, or twenty days later, you know, he had an African American woman that's yeah. kicking ass and chopping off arms. I mean, you're looking at every single version of these things. It's always like, oh, it's about the minority. It's about, but it's also about the underrepresented, the underserved, and People who feel powerless can feel powerful in a zombie apocalypse storyline, which is always what I was so strange from issue one of Walking Dead. I was like, oh, he was a cop? Yeah. And he's used to telling people what to do, and now he's still telling people what to do. Mm-hmm. That's interesting.
3: Yeah. That's and interesting. getting well,
1: them killed. Well, yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, <laughs> like, dude.
3: Yeah, and then contrast that to something like Day of the Dead, yeah. where the people who live are, it's what, like a scientist, and it's like a group of, yeah, like you said, it's, it's the underrepresented all listening to each other and cooperating, not because they're stronger, because they literally are facing off against the military in that movie, Yeah, they went out.
1: We, we have to talk about Barb for a second, too, though, because of this costume. <laughs> see, this is so, so everyone here has seen Night of Living Dead, right? Yeah. 68, black and white. How many people have seen this remake from 1990 that Tom Savini made? You've got to see it. It's a great, it's, it's a great <laughs> um, revision of the film. And I'm going to give you a spoiler. Uh, 20 so years ahead of because now we're seeing strong kick-ass female characters holding films they did it then and it was such an interesting turn um uh you know my living dead empowered you know uh ben he was one of the, my favorite film characters mm-hmm. yeah. and savini uh who's not really known for being a filmmaker he he made a really cool choice in that 1990 movie that holds up to today's standards, where so many horror movies from that time period don't.
0: But it always starts in horror. I feel like that's where Ripley came out of, you know, totally. and mm-hmm. that surprised everybody. We went to see this Tom Skerritt movie, well, <laughs> and yeah. we're like, Tom Skerritt's gonna kick ass. <laughs> nope. By the end of that movie, Tom Skerritt's begging for death. Yeah. Like there's literally a scene where he's like, kill me. And we're like, oh, bye, Tom. And yeah. it's and Ripley's movie. In
2: Aliens, it's
1: Ripley and a little girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You
2: know, it's a it's amazing to see who's surviving.
1: It starts with all of us, that's yeah. what we're saying. Yeah. We're so, the people that look forward to the horror people.
0: Chelsea, take us through a bit of the history. Like um what what were some of the things that are parallel to this genre that led to this need for empowerment that we have going to the theater and having this communal experience watching horror movies and zombies specifically.
3: Yeah, I mean, so I think the biggest one, and this isn't necessarily, you know, specifically the women's empowerment movement, but just in general, the biggest parallel I can think of politically is the original wave of, of zombies as we know it, modern zombies. So this is like Romero zombies. Zombies were totally different before Night of the Dead, yes, they were like voodoo creatures that, yeah, from Haitian mythology, very, very different. Um, You can make so many parallels between that 1968 movie and the Vietnam War, I think is like one of the biggest, biggest um, cultural parallels that we have. Um, Because think about what's going on at the time is we have people who find, everyone's got TVs in their house now. Whereas before we don't really, and we have the war going on at the same time, so for the first time ever, we're country at war, and we're having images of war brought into our living rooms. Mm-hmm. It's literally the dead invading our living rooms, and it's amazing to kind of look at how that parallels something like Night of the Living Dead coming out, where it is it's the dead invading a very typical American like middle American farmhouse
0: and it's brilliant because wasn't. Well, the whole idea to just redo I Am Legend, but he didn't have the money to option the I Am Legend book, which Richard Matheson wrote, I think, the best horror book or story of all time in mm-hmm. I Am Legend yeah. mm-hmm. and they can't get that movie right ever I mean it should have just been John Carpenter and Kurt Russell in the 80s like let's just <laughs> leave it at that like that should have been a 1984 movie with totally. those two guys and it would have killed if
1: we ever build a time machine yeah. that'll be our that's, first thing that's like, step John one.
0: Carpenter you need to stop what you're doing and make this movie with Kurt Russell mm-hmm. which is but but that might cost you like the thing that mm-hmm. might cost you like right. like they, they live like what yeah. are you gonna do like
3: and then in trying to do it's the I Am Legend ending right where our yeah. main Character spoilers. becomes the legend. Yeah, exactly. He's he's you know the last man on earth, quote unquote. Not so really, but he. That, and
1: and by the way, last man on earth, Vincent Price. If you guys have not, seen, have anyone seen that movie? Any hands? Oh, that's you,
0: probably the best version of I Am Legend that's been adopted. Yeah. Uh, adapted. I mean, it's no offense so to Omega Man. Omega
3: Man. I was gonna say that movie is great. it's hundred percent Anglo-Saxon the first movie. interracial relationship on film, like well, film ever. It's a again, cool movie. It's not. Four really is the one that great, that but,
0: that. I, what is it about the horror genre that takes it's, these you know, societal needs and puts them on yeah. film? It's people who take chances. Well, it's, sure. like,
2: it's like saying forget Out. You know, if I, if I said, "Hey, I have a drama. that's gonna be really depressing about race relations in America today." It's like, oh God, this sounds. Yeah, so who's gonna fund that, right? Get out. It's like you're gonna laugh, you're gonna scream, you're gonna freak out, and then at the end, you're gonna have a whole conversation and debate. The idea of horror that you can confront your worst fears while escaping them at the same time, while talking about something else at the same time. Horror and fantasy and sci-fi have always done that. They've always been the best way to do that because you can be a little bit removed, but totally in the conversation.
0: John, I think those movies get made. Like, I think the movie that you just proposed do get made by like filmmakers like Steve McQueen, et cetera, but sure. they're not popularized. This is a genre that brings the teenagers to the conversation, mm-hmm. I think is what I just realized in what you were saying. Was, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're right. It, they, it takes the risk, but beyond that, it popularizes them. And what's a more popular, like, metaphor than uh, a, than something that affects all of us, which is zombies, mm-hmm. as a matter meta- you know, the death metaphor. Um, we're discovering a lot of things here in the in the. This is this is a very effective panel. We're learning a lot. Um, but let's go back to post Vietnam. What were the needs there that we ended up with? Still needing this monster and yeah. a part of me is leaning towards. What does the zombie look like tomorrow?
3: So what I was thinking about is, so the original, it's going back to the Night of the Living Dead. Like the original versus the remake, I think is a really good example. So the ending of the original, um, unintentionally so, George Romero has said this was not intentional, but it really reflects where we're at as a culture in terms of race relations, um, in terms of how we see each other. The ending of that movie um, I know, I think I was reading an interview with Jordan Peele who said, like, even if that wasn't an intentional ending, how can you not read something into that? So then you look at the remake, and it's tweaked a bit. Barbara has, like, yeah, like a bullet vest on She's a 180 from the original, and that's highly reflective of the, the strides of the women's movement made. In the 70s, that hadn't happened. So, you had
0: like the 1964 Civil Rights Movement, now in a 1968 movie, and now in 1990, you have the, the, I mean, it might, you know, it's like nine to five Dolly Parton fighting zombies.
3: And two, in the 80s, there's also like a backlash against the progress made in the 70s for the women's rights movement. So, Barbara, in that one, almost feels like a backlash to the backlash of the 80s. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like the 80s, you get like movies like Revenge of the Nerds and all these things that are just. Horrible if you see them now. Porkies yeah. and meat,
0: porkies and meatballs, are hor- they don't I,
1: hold I up. You know what? They, oh they don't God. respect women in this film. What? It's weird. What about Ski uh, Patrol? <laughs> maybe Ski Patrol. There are. Talk about a horror movie. Uh, it's the horror and then 1990 sense. comes, <laughs> and you're right, and it's like you know what? Shh. You know, slap in the face.
4: Well, and to answer your question, Jonathan, about what it looks like tomorrow, right. um, there was a movie that unfortunately didn't get a huge release here in the US, but you can watch it digitally now called The Girl with All the Gifts, which was, yeah, which is um, a great you know film out of the UK. I don't know why it wasn't called 28 Years Later. I mean, it was basically like the third in the trilogy that I'm never going to get. So I just watched them all that way. But the idea of moving past the idea of being infected
0: what's that one about it's about about all the kids are uh, quarantined yeah I saw the trailer but I was like too scary
4: too scary well Gavin Gavin didn't (laughs) our host
0: ladies and
1: gentlemen
4: Correct me if I'm wrong guys because, because I I only I only saw the movie once um but the the th- main thrust is there's a little girl who is infected with the virus or whatever it is that causes one to be like a flesh eating being but she can control it is that it, or, or there's sure. a way to work with her and, and this one teacher takes an interest in her, but then there's always going to be a, an authoritative presence who says, no, you are infected, therefore, you are not human, therefore, I don't care if you think or feel or breathe or whatever, I don't care that you are a child, I don't care that you are yeah. vulnerable, you must be experimented on, destroyed, etc." Um
3: it's like Bub and yeah, yeah. Uh, totally. And he's my favorite. And this I want to see a whole movie. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> Watch favorite. that. And this yeah. little
4: girl is so compelling. But the idea is, I think that moving forward, what is the next phase? Well, maybe the next phase is is. Um, People who are, you know, able to function or people who are the infected who are not the mindless eating machines and having to live with that. How do we live with that? How do we live with the aftermath? And so, I don't know. We're, uh, that was like that one
2: yeah. with Ellen Page. Did you see that one?
0: Yeah, well, it reminded me like an X-Men origin story. When I saw the, mm-hmm. the trailer for it, I was like, oh, here's the person who actually had that new gene that is like, dormant, but now like now that mm-hmm. she's a zombie, can be the basis for a cure, and she's the progressive right. threat, right? And it was, it was and now a great, was a great with, idea, because it yeah. was like,
2: oh, what if you got cured after you'd been a zombie, mm-hmm. and you have to deal with your memories of what you did to people? Mm. It, also, right.
3: it also reminds me of like even a few years ago, and this is a constant theme, I think, too, mm-hmm. with like the recurrence of the zombie genre is... The, you know, the, the fear of the Ebola pandemic and the way that we treated doctors who were treating Ebola, you right. know, like yeah. the oh, idea yeah. that they're tainted somehow because they've worked with these patients and the total misunderstanding of that virus. You know?
0: So when we have a horde of 2000 people heading towards our southern border, which they want to like, you know, and we can politicize this all we want, but that's always been this genre. And when we have our southern border being, you know, threatened with like a wall and this and that, and the people who get through, you actually put them in cages, I think that's a perfect backdrop for, right. I mean, it's like we're almost living through this. Does that exhaust the genre or does it drive well, the genre? Does know, that make uh, sense?
1: I'm obsessed the reality, does it exhaust with it or drive a it? cartoon about building walls. It's called Attack on Titan. Any fans? Sure. Yeah. And Attack on Titan? It is a brilliant anime that I think is a post zombie type um, reflection. And it's about, it's way in Earth's future, and it's about people living in walled cities to keep these titans out, which are basically like, you know, uh, 20 foot zombies. (laughs) Uh, It's a terrifying show. Um, You know what? The walls don't help. Yeah, no, they just pick you up and eat you. (laughs) Yeah, they don't help. Um, But it makes for an interesting, it's a different kind of story, you know, this. this, And that's where I think. Uh, like Traini Busan and, and like this anime Attack on Titan, I just think the the future for me, I see zombie stuff is this wild interpretations. You know, oh well, what if there's you know a girl we can teach who who could be the key, but these people don't want her. You know, sure. I think that's that's what we're gonna see is oh. innovation
4: or the idea that the horde. Um, is like when I look at when I think about a horde now. I think a lot about fascism. I think a lot mm-hmm. about uh, Nazi Germany. I think a lot about seeing a mass of people moving in a direction, coordinated together. Um, Maybe
0: in a van covered in stickers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> Woof. Um, but uh, but yeah. So so that I think that you know we've seen it. Uh, we I think in the past a lot of times the 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 zombie horde has been mindless mm-hmm. and i think what's interesting is the idea of manipulating that horde and you can still play with the the idea of uh, is this a thinking creature is this just a carnal creature and what if somebody could harness the um or weaponize yeah. the, mm-hmm. the 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 yeah weaponize this horde yeah. and I'm oh, sorry oh no you got
1: it. I just say without spoilers that's kind of the stuff that attack on titan goes into that's so fascinating is you you go into the series thinking these things are mindless and with the characters you start to discover oh no there's a plan and we're on the bad end of it yeah
3: I was watching an interview with George Romero from like 2003 ish and he was talking about how You know, when faced when facing this this mindless horde and kind of what we're we're facing today, unfortunately, he kind of stressed like it feels like we never learn. It feels like we never learn to um, try to understand others who are different Mm -hmm. and try to listen to different ideas. And he it was really just seemed really sad. And it's yeah, I think that was kind of his his overall point with the genre is we. You know, we're so ineffective when we can't empathize with other people.
0: Those, uh, there's a level of sympathy that he has for his creatures. In those later movies, the gas attendant is still going back to be a gas attendant. And there's like a tragedy to it. Unless they're woken up by the smell of flesh and they are drawn to that. They go back to their everyday routine of life. It's like this muscle memory k- keeps them going through it, and, and I always found it incredibly sad. It it's was very like humanizing. Yeah. It was like you know, it's like seeing the silhouettes of somebody who had been atomized or been in a volcanic uh, erosion. They died as they lived.
2: Yeah, but in Land of the Dead, in Land of the Dead, in Land that's of the Dead. That's where they start wanting to take action and revenge. That's when they're he. They had a leader. They organized, yeah. Yeah, and they had guns. They figured out how to use them. They're going against people. You know, that was. Um,
0: they're getting their li- their personalities back, and obviously in something like the novel *Breathers* or uh, the what was the movie that came out where you could be where they undid the zombie. It was a romantic com- like Warm comedy, oh, *Warm okay. Bodies*. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you've ever read *Breathers*, the book. Yeah. Um, it, but the, yeah, warm bodies—you start to see like this. Oh, what if what? What is past the zombie? What is once the infection? And I think honestly, when we were making *Doc of the Dead*, one of the, the things I was fascinated by was talking to all the preppers because I wanted to bring that up. At the end of the day, we are talking about a fictitious creature—we've never s- seen or experienced—but we are all. Uh, living with this idea of, well, what would we do? It forces us to say, what would we do? We won't go and get a flu shot, but we will be like, oh, I'm going yeah, to sharpen a bat. I'm going to put yeah. na- nails through a bat and just hang out. And like, The fact is, like, we, uh, post-zombie, would probably be living amongst humans in a pretty like shattered society. And that's the reality I think we're actually talking about what's your human survival plan? Because zombie survival plan, like they can be radioactive, they can be drawn to blood. I mean, the bite is a pretty hard way to communicate a disease. Like it does, a dog in your neighborhood gets rabies. Not every dog gets rabies. Like it just doesn't happen that way. But cough, cough is a pretty scary way to transmit a disease. And in the process of making the movie, we did talk to people from uh, the government who admitted to having some of these diseases and they created them in the Cold War because Russia was developing things like an aggressive strain of what is mad cow, but mad cow is communicable through blood and saliva, um, but it's 100% fatal. That thing just needs to go airborne, so things like prion diseases and stuff like that became really horrific to me and didn't entirely make it into the film, but we talked to uh, a Dr. Cribs down at UC Irvine who's one of the head researchers for Alzheimer's and we we're talking about diseases that are way up the food chain, are formed by protein folds way up the food uh, the the food chain, which happens when you eat too high up, like cannibalism, and it leads to these prion diseases that can trick their way into the brain, the same way Alzheimer's, rabies, et cetera, a mad cow can, and it's some scary stuff because they just mutate when they want to. They don't, they're not like normal viruses that hit. Your body's defenses, and decide how to get around it. They just wake up one day and like, hey, I feel like going airborne, and now it's like run and scream and don't go to Costco because there are other humans there. Time, but what what is your thoughts on a human survival plan? What are yours? Have you thought about this? I hope that you've thought about this. Come on, the news has forced you to think about this for the last two years. Bottled water, a
2: lot of bottled yeah. water. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to steal your bottled water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not taking this away from me. Well, look, well, look what happens in like in Flint, Michigan, what's going on right? in Austin, Texas right now. And look what happens when you uh, damage water supply and it's always done, I, when I looked at what was happening in Flint, Michigan, I was like, oh my god, this is a zombie movie right here. Yeah. I mean, it's a politician making a deal with a friend to change out the, the pipes that never had a problem ever before. But it's like, this is a great way to make money for all, yeah. all me and my friends. And of course, then has led to what? They still don't have clean water in Flint, Michigan. This has been going on since... God. for years now yeah. and for years they don't have fresh water and it's one of those things where it's like yeah this is the type of stuff you think about when you think about a zombie movie you think about first who's to blame because whoever's to blame then you have an idea of like where it's coming from okay so if it's the government then it's going to be something like our that's been put into our infrastructure if it's the military like the first time military was ever used in a zombie movie that I remember was in Return of the Living Dead. Sure. And it was the military's fault because <laughs> they lost those bodies and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I love reading uh, Max Brooks because it's so much fun to see all the different ways he came up with it. I love that he had that one character, the Samurai, the blind Samurai, who lives up on the, um, on the mountain. And so he can actually hear the dead coming towards him, and he can lure them and get them off the side, very simply. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, I mean, it's great, but, like, we
0: know that when a body is dead that the water, uh, that the blood doesn't circulate. And if you've ever seen a dead body, the, you roll it over, and it's purple on and black on one end from the body, from gravity, just bringing the body to the bottom, like... Uh, Zombies would be like their feet would pop off after a couple of days. You know the you bugs know, would eat them. The weather would destroy yeah, them. Yeah, the Walking but Dead comic really
1: explored with some humans. of that. It was cool. Like you know they were safer in winter because you know the th- the bodies yeah. the walkers could move. And I was I they was disappointed ropes. the show didn't kind of explore those aspects a little bit more because I thought that that was fascinating. It's hard to do snow in Atlanta. It was yeah,
2: <laughs> it. it was cool that they had the well walker though. Oh yeah, <laughs>
1: the well walker yeah. in season two was awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Super bloated and like just ready to pop.
3: Yeah, <laughs> Are zombie that would be uh, a Walmart
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> there are zombie militias out there that like it's it's kind of like an uh, a a larping almost kind of thing where they they really do they'll prep for for the zombie apocalypse and it's like a legitimate hobby of theirs. I really want to go to one of their drills if anyone's part of one, I will. we will come, Demi will come and film it. We'll put it on the channel, it's a dream. But it is amazing to kind of look at the rise of these quote unquote zombie militias and and books like uh, Max Brooks's book and all these like real world, like really grounding it like it's like, survival prep, and how much that tracks with real, like, legit doomsday preppers. I mean, there's a reality show, I think, on Nat Geo about doomsday preppers. Are we still
0: talking about zombies at that point? Exactly.
3: It's like the lines get so blurred because the preparation becomes so similar. There was
0: a guy, I remember on the 5, the guy who would build um, bug-out shelters? (laughs) When you drive on the 5, right before you got to City of Industry, there was a guy who would build shelters, and we went to interview him. And he was talking about how he makes these shelters that you can like survive fallout. It's got filters for air. It's got everything. And you can survive in those things for years until everything clears out and you can climb up out of it. And I was like, well, that's fantastic. Where's yours? And he goes, I ain't telling you. <laughs> and I was like, uh, well, knowing Los Angeles' real estate prices, he probably didn't put it on his property because you can't afford to make property to put a giant compound under the ground in there. And I was like, "Well, it's probably out in the desert, right?" And he's like, "Maybe." <laughs> and I was like, okay, so let's just say a dirty bomb goes off in Los Angeles, and you have to clear out because uh, there's fallout. Or let's just say there's an earthquake, and you, like don't drink any water. everybody's going to come into your shop and start coming after you for your, your water, uh, you know. Um, how are you going to get to your shelter? Have you been in five o'clock traffic on a Friday? Like <laughs> when That's the S hits the F. How are you gonna get out to Barstow to climb into your shelter? Like, it's an insane idea.
2: Well, have you heard about those um, preppers, the multi-millionaire preppers that have a big thing in New Zealand? And they're- Okay, this was just on- How the heck are you gonna get to New Zealand? National Public Radio just had this story on like a couple months ago, did you hear this thing? Freaked me out, Uh and they're talking about the amount of money they've spent and how the idea is when the shit hits the fan, you gotta get to this, you gotta get to your private (laughs) jet. And that's gonna take you over to New Zealand, but then
0: we're all going to the airports. We're We're all all going for his private jet.
2: Everyone was calling the show because it was just like, well, what about the pilots? The pilots? uh, Is there a space for them? Are they just flying there and then they're fucked? And (laughs) they're they're the the food. I know immediately. It was like, wait a minute. (laughs) But it's also like, how how do you make sure the pilots can be by the jet at the time? Yeah, I do like
0: you just sleep on the jet waiting for the rich dude to come and show up. You're like, start the plane,
2: start the plane. Who knows when this will happen? Right. (laughs) I mean, the the assumption is these people have so much money, they're going to get the warning before the rest of us get the warning. Uh, By How do you get to the airport? Especially if it's like 3 p.m. in Los Angeles. It's over for you. It's like I can't. can't Probably like
4: helicopter.
0: Yeah, Yeah, a helicopter. It's like, dude, we will be hanging off that helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) Like if you hear a helicopter, we're heading to the helicopter.
4: So I have a question about uh, the – like. So just listening over the last 10 minutes, I feel terrible. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) You haven't hollowed out your wall?
4: (laughs) Which is consistent. I feel like I feel terrible often and all the time. Uh, But I wonder, so to get back to the, the... the art of of the zombie, whether it's a comic or whether it's a TV show or a movie or animation, do we think that, for instance, like just to give an example, a very basic example that kind of touches on some of my discomfort, I can't bring myself to watch Handmaid's Tale. I have so many people mm-hmm. tell me like, "Oh, but Clark, it's so good," and I'm yeah. like, "Cool, I, not ready." I, I started. I, I think it it's like the flu shot. Yeah. Yeah. it's
0: like nah, too real.
4: I, I'm all set. So, but that said, I do wonder: Is there room right now in pop culture and entertainment for something like this—that a resurgence of zombies that can be popular? You know what I mean? Or, or—and I don't even—I'm not talking about fatigue. Like, I'm not talking about right. oh, I, I'm not watching Train to Busan because I'm bo- I'm sick of it. I'm talking about like. Is there, is there room for audiences to, to accept that? Or, or would they say, like, not... Because then again, you guys are all here. I was also thinking about that. Like, if the idea that the zombie boom is like, is it waning or whatever, you know, there, there's a convention panel that's half full here uh, of people who are clearly interested in talking about the, the creature, so... Well,
2: one Cut of the Dead did it for me. I mean, I was surprised to see how many people... Like, that was the number one movie in Japan, A $27,000 made independent Mm -hmm. film was the number one movie in Japan. It's their
0: Blur-Wits. It's insane. It's amazing.
2: And then you think about it. It's like then to see it be the big winner at all these different festivals for the audience award because people loved it so much. And this is audiences that have seen everything in the genre. So, yeah, there's a lot of hope, I think, when when, when it's original.
1: I, I think to answer Clark's question, I think... Zombie stuff's gonna retreat back to cult. I think it's gonna retreat back to being counterculture for a while. In the mainstream, probably not. I don't think the mainstream has the emotional bandwidth for You know, we we do need our Marvel movies right now. What about Marvel zombies? Yeah, oh, yeah, Okay, well, when you put two genres together, they did it in the comics. I know. um, But I do think, yeah, and it's okay that zombies are gonna go kind of backseat and back to the the counterculture, because that's, I mean, that's where it found its legs and was cool anyways.
3: So. Yeah, I think, too, because um, if you look at what's really popular right now is everything is very uh, like we were talking about witchcraft earlier, but everything is very heightened and kind of magical. Like, look at, you know, what movies are making or what horror movies at least are making the most money. It's, you know, you have it. It's, right. it's all horror with magic and something supernatural. So I almost wonder if the type of zombie movie that would be most appealing to people right now is maybe a return to zombies being almost a cartoon. If you yeah. watch the old Romero movies, mm-hmm. they're blue and green. Right. You have one that's a ballerina and one that's a football player. They're really heightened and kind of they're not silly but they're fun. Yeah, and like I Return think, of the
1: Living Dead, yeah, too. Yeah. And
3: I think maybe that's cuz I think Right yeah, now, it, it all Jackson feels a little too right. real, you know.
2: Well, another genre that's doing really well right now in horror is revenge. Sure, and it's it's uh, from Mandy with Nick Cage mm-hmm. uh, to the movie Revenge, revenge. which yeah. I loved. Revenge was such a badass movie about a woman on revenge, just like the female Rambo meets Kill Bill. And sure. It it's completely amazing. So I think there's, I think there might be room for zombie revenge, Mm. using the zombies to get your own revenge too.
0: Hmm. Uh, Let's leave it up for a couple questions from you guys. Uh, Obviously you guys have heard what we have to say. What are you guys interested in? Let's show show a hands we'll pick you guys out and you can ask this... Panel of experts. While
4: people are thinking of their questions, uh, we we were talking earlier about like the origins of the zombie and how Romero's Ghoul kind of pushed it forward. And so I just wanted to give a quick shout out to um, *Serpent in the Rainbow*, which sort mm-hmm. of deals with uh, the, the, the Haitian idea. Mm-hmm. And so it's a fun Wes Craven movie, really well acted, and uh, not a lot of people. It's it's not super fun, but right. it's a it's a really <laughs> great movie. So if you're interested in maybe an example of. Uh, of the
1: different flavors,
4: exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: The *Serpent and the Rainbow*. And this gentleman had his hand. Yes, sir. We'll repeat the question.
5: Um,
1: actually, the question I had. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. A good one. Yeah. Tokyo Ghoul. The question was about post-zombie yeah. genres, and Tokyo Ghoul came up as an example. What?
1: What is yeah. that? Yeah. Um, I'm not super familiar with that series. Uh, like a subclass. Yeah.
0: And so Zombies and, yeah, and marginalization. Yeah. So Tokyo Ghoul is like a Japan, is it's an anime and a manga, yeah. And so it deals with like a, a like a zombie, a vampire hybrid that's been marginalized in society. And yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to what I think can re-energize the, the genre, which is the return to the cult status, yeah. and a bunch of people well, like connecting with this. Well,
1: and and what movie in the next ten years isn't going to be about being marginalized? Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean. uh, the
0: revenge genre I know I mean it's no accident
1: you know it's no accident that slasher movies are making a comeback and you know it's
0: and I think zombie shows in like Walking Dead has been replaced by the conspiracy shows you know from uh, we got the Romanovs now we have like uh, what was the original one uh, with Kerry Russell oh the Americans the Americans like these issues of trust and power are going to be the big issues is there a place for the zombie in there
1: maybe not and that's fine you know because they'll come back they always come they they always come back (laughs) and just Um, horror in
3: general is like such a great home for for the repressed i think it's why you know there's all these think pieces right now about like why is horror so big and oh it's it's art all of a sudden it's like no it's always been but i think right now people are really looking for that and it really resonates with people more now than it has in the past few years happy halloween yeah. Yeah. yeah, happy Halloween.
0: Is there a place for a Booberry movie? Oh, done. <laughs> <laughs> the General Mills monsters. Blueberry are they going to see the, the
2: big. That screen. I would watch. I, I would eat it that. too. Yeah, but what oh you were talking God. about makes so much sense because when I was doing the history section of my movie Haunters, one thing we were looking at was what all the classic Universal monster movies came out during the Depression. Halloween, as a holiday, made its most amount of money in 2001, right after September 11th. That's when the theme parks first really sold out. Um, 2008 beat out 2001. That was the financial meltdown. Last year beat out everything when Halloween made $9.3 billion, almost $3 billion more than Halloween had ever made ever before. You can guess what, what, why people were pissed off last year. and uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I, as the world falls apart, we're going to get some great horror. It's going to be really
0: <laughs> We'll have something awesome. to watch Please. while we're Either on the oh. news or in your theater. We'll have yeah. something to watch as they're trying to get into our
3: house. <laughs> yeah. But it is, you know, that kind of uh, horror being so big in times like this is a nice reminder that horror is like a really nice Place to be, we're all nice, to yeah, them. and it's
1: a good, you know, it's good good escape community, in a different way, yeah. exactly, You know, it's our therapeutic well, value, of exactly. scared. it's our scare
0: beat. Well, they uh, gave us the one minute uh, warning a Someone's little over it. a minute ago, uh, but uh, let's see, um, we're supposed to get off the stage. But what was your question, real fast, ma'am? Oh, uh, well, all the panelists are available to talk after the panel, but uh, thank you guys so much. What can they get you on social media, real quick, Gavin
1: Hignite, uh, Twitter or Instagram?
3: Uh, Dead meat on YouTube, and I'm also Carebeck on Twitter. That's C-A-R-E-B-E-C-C.
1: If you look up "Haunters" the movie, you'll
2: find it.
4: I'm at Clark Wolf, Clark with an E and Wolf
3: with an E. Uh,
2: I'm at Jonathan
0: London, and we got Geekscape going at Geekscape.net, and it's a podcast, and you can listen to it. And it's a little network now, so that's all at Geekscape.net, and you can search for us on all the socials. Thank you guys so much for being part of our zombie. Thanks, panel. guys. Thank you, guys. Aim for the head.
1: Yeah. <laughs>